gospel. Uh, if you've ever heard that Jesus is the good shepherd, this is the passage where that comes from because it's an analogy that he uses to explain why he did come into the world. So let's hear what the Lord has to say, beginning in verse 1. I'll read that, and then we'll pray. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <clears throat> Let's pray. Well, Father, we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And now we need your help again to remember why we should have joy that you've come into the world. We ask that you'd open up this text, this ancient text from a part of life we don't participate in and make it clear to us again what it says about Jesus, the Savior, on Christmas. And we ask it in his name. Amen. <clears throat> well, last year, Mary and I got to do a bucket list kind of a trip, something she'd always wanted to do, which was to go visit Ireland. And uh, there was a little bit of inheritance money that came her way, and so we figured, hey, let's go to Ireland while we're still young enough to uh, actually walk around it and, and see things and, and, and you know, enjoy the coastline and the fields and whatever. So we did that. We went to Ireland. I learned how to drive on the left side of the road with a stick, I must say. I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, unfortunately, I did not come back with that rich accent, which would have made preaching so much more enjoyable, like, for you all. I just feel like if you're from the British Isles, you automatically deserve a hearing because of that accent. <clears throat> but I didn't come back with that. But one thing that really sticks out to me about Ireland was the, uh, p the fields, the green pastures. Uh, it's called the Emerald, Emerald Isle. And there's all these stone walls. They're ancient. They go back hundreds of years and they, there's sheep in them. And they're, so there are these fields walled in by stone walls with sheep in them. And they're just all over the place. He can't drive anywhere in Ireland without running into one of these. Um, and as a city dweller like me, um, that's as close as I've ever gotten to the setting of this passage that we just read. This whole world of managing sheep with shepherds and, and all of that. Uh, because Jesus talks in this about sheep and a sheepfold, which is a pen or an enclosure where the sheep are kept, state, kept safe, like those stone walls. 
He speaks about robbers climbing in over the walls uh, to get at the sheep. He speaks about a gate or a door to the sheepfold. And then there's a shepherd who leads them in and out. So we've got to mentally put ourselves into that world if we're going to find out what, where he was going with all of that. And, and even the disciples, the people who were listening while he was saying this, they even didn't get it at first. So he had to repeat it and say, here's where I'm going with that. Um, so we're going to try and dive into that world and find out what's, he tra- what's the point he's making from this shepherding illustration. And really it comes down to verse 10. This is where it's all going. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Somehow we have to get into the world of sheep and shepherds and walls to, to figure out what does he mean by, by that statement. And it, it may sound odd that Jesus said, I came that they may have life, because we're alive, right? Uh, right now we have breath and we got here and all that. Um, but I think we know that life is more than just living, right? We have sayings. Or we say, like, when we talk about that subject, she really comes alive, right? Or, you know, when I've got my coffee in my easy chair by the fire on a cold winter day, that's, that's life. You know, we, we say things like that. That's the good life. Jesus came to give us the good life, the, the truly good life. Uh, it's not always what we expected, but it is the real thing. Um, and it's even life after death, as we're going to see. So to understand all this, let's jump into the world of sheep and pastures and learn what Jesus has to say. Two main things. It tells us about who we are, and it tells us about who he is. And so that's our outline. Um, who are we in this story? Well, we're the sheep in the story. Uh, that's the assumption in verse 9. Jesus says, If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So anyone. That's not a pronoun that we use for real sheep. That's a pronoun we use for people. It literally means any person or people. The sheep in this analogy are people. And that taps into a whole stream of theology throughout the Bible where people are always compared to sheep. Um, I'll give you one example, Psalm 95, 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So we are people, and we are also like sheep. But how are we like sheep? In two relevant ways. First, sheep are needy, (laughs) and they need to be cared for, and so do we. So are we. So sheep, what do they need? They need to find pasture, it says here, uh, or they don't eat. If you let sheep just stay in the one place and graze, they'll just overgraze it, they'll eat everything, and then they'll starve. They, they have to be moved around to find new places to eat. Sheep need protection, which is why the walls are there, to keep people out and to keep them from going out. Uh, you don't want robbers jumping in. You want the, the sheep going out and getting into crazy places where they're going to be in trouble. Um, They need protection. Um, And also, they're easy prey because they're not intimidating. (laughs) Um, Sheep are not like lions. Uh, You're not afraid to approach a sheep at all. So sheep need to be taken care of, and so do we. 
We need to be cared for. We're not self-sufficient. We know that. We, we depend on all kinds of other people just to survive. If you had water in your house this morning, you drank, you took a shower, somebody else got that to your house. A lot of things happened <laughs> for you to get water this morning. When you go to the grocery store and you get a chicken, you know, that's already just chicken and not feathers, <laughs> somebody else did that, right? <laughs> Health care. If you're taking any medicine, somebody invented that, somebody made that, somebody got that to you. We are just dependent on everything. And it's not just the physical things. It's also the intangibles. There are things we need to keep going. We need hope that tomorrow will be a good day or that something is good to look forward to in life. I need a reason to get up in the morning um, in order to just function. I need a sense that things are going to be okay. I need peace in my heart. We, we want to know that things are going to be okay. And if we don't think they're okay, we're stressed. We need to be taken care of, just like sheep. That's the first thing that we have in common. But the second thing is that we are also wayward. Sheep are wayward. Uh, they wander off and get into trouble, which is why all those stone walls are, are there in Ireland. Um, I was watching this funny Instagram reel where... I don't know why I'm getting all these animal things now. I think ever since we got a dog, I'm getting all these animal reels. But there's this one about a sheep. There's this farmer, and he's got this sheep, and it's in an irrigation ditch, and it's real narrow. And he's getting the thing out, and it's a struggle, but he finally gets the sheep out. It's happy. It's free. It runs and takes off, and it goes right, right back into that same ditch like 100 feet later, and it's just stuck again. Uh, that's what sheep do. They just wayward they go they go off they get into trouble we do that uh isaiah spoke about this he spoke for all of us in isaiah 53 6 he said all we like sheep have gone astray like sheep gone astray but in what way astray from our god and his will for us if you've ever been to a christmas performance of handel's messiah that's one of the, the verses in there. All we like sheep have gone astray. I want to sing it, but that would ruin everything. But like, go to, go to Handel's Messiah and listen to it. It's much better. Or just click on it in your Spotify. We do go astray from God. And, and that's not just in the sense of like an innocent mistake or, you know, I made a foolish decision that now I regret. It's actually not innocent when we go astray. It's a kind of rebellion, actually. Um, I had an incident with a sheep, really my only incident ever with a real sheep, which really brought this home to me. Um, when our kids were little, I think it was before you, Sarah, we went to some place that had a petting zoo, and it had all of these like docile farming animals in it, little ones, that the kids could pet. So they were, all, they were all in this pen. And so we brought one kid at a time, maybe in there. Anyway, I was in the pen, having fun, time to go out. I take one of the kids out, open the gate, and a sheep gets out. And I thought, oh boy, I don't know what a sheep costs, but I don't want to pay for that or whatever. I got to get this sheep back in the pen. So I try some stuff. I think, okay, well, I'm just going to try and like 
heard it, you know, like get around it and go that way. Didn't didn't look at me at all. So I thought, well, it's got a collar. I'll just try and like lead it, lead. I'll grab it and I'll bring him in. And he's pulling away from me. So I figure like I've only got one thing left to try, which is to pick the sheep up <laughs> and put it in the pen. So that's what I did. I, I grabbed it and I picked it up. And it peed on me. <laughs> and I thought, that's what pastoral ministry must be like. <laughs> you know, you do your best to really help somebody, and they pee on you, like, <laughs> metaphorically. Don't appreciate what you just did. You can probably relate. If you're in any kind of career that has service of people, and you have to interact with people, <laughs> You're going to get that. Um, we bring that attitude toward God. Ephesians 7.29 says, God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. In other words, we've been created by God to do the right thing, to do the will of our Creator, but we go off and we do something else. We, we tend to resist God's instructions his commands, his guidance, when it's not to our liking. Like God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we actually love other things a whole lot more. Uh, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. But we'll ignore our neighbor. We might even despise our neighbor. We might tear them down with our words. Maybe not in their presence, but afterwards. Uh, and remember, you have an internet neighbor. There are all those people that you know about through the internet. They count too. Those are real people on the other side of the digital screen. And, and are, are we comfortable that we've acted appropriately every time in the way we've engaged with those people, the things we post, the things we say, the things we talk about after we've read it? Uh, are, I don't think that we know how to love our neighbor as well as we might think. We are wayward like sheep. And the name for that waywardness when humans do it is sin. Um, it means we don't just need to be cared for. We also need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from the one whose instructions we rebel against, who is our creator, our God. And without that forgiveness, there's a break in the relationship between us and him. And that means there's a, there's a separation between us and our God. And that means the promises uh, are not for us. We have to have some kind of amending of relationship in order for us to enter into his blessedness. That's where Jesus comes into the picture. Okay, so we're like sheep. We need to be cared for. We need to be forgiven. How does Jesus enter into the story? Well, there's two I am statements in the passage we read. They both say this is who Jesus is. And it turns out that those I am statements are directly, are they're important because they, that means that he can do what we need done. The caring and the forgiving are wrapped up in these I am statements. So who is Jesus? First of all, in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do? Well, he takes care of sheep. And he makes sheep feel secure. We have a picture of that in the passage where he's talking about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. 
it says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. What a beautiful picture of trust. This defenseless sheep, this one that doesn't know where he's going, but he trusts. He needs food, but he trusts his shepherd. He says, come out, come, go, follow me, and they go. It's trust. There's contentment that the sheep has in its care of the shepherd. And you probably know Psalm 23. That's the most famous psalm and probably the most famous scripture that most people would have heard of. It's David's psalm, the shepherd's psalm where he fleshes this out. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's more than just a picture of having your needs met, your physical needs met. It's a picture of trust, contentment, rest. I'm in the hands of somebody who's taking care of me. He makes me feel safe so I can lie down in peace. Yeah, He provides for my physical life. There's green pastures. There's still waters. I can eat and drink, but it's so much more than that. He restores my soul. What Jesus provides for those who know Him as their shepherd is peace of mind, hope that He's leading us to a good future, confidence that our lives actually matter to Him, relief that we're not on our own in the world trying to figure everything out. There are wearisome things, worrisome things in the world that we have to deal with, everything from viruses to cancer, broken relationships with people, identity theft, unsettling political developments, war, all kinds of things that we need help with and protection from. But if you have Jesus, the good shepherd in your life, here's one thing you know, he will accomplish what concerns you. According to Psalm 138.8, he is watching out for me. He is caring for me in the midst of all of this. So I can lie down in safety. I can have a restored soul. That's what Jesus, the good shepherd, does for people who hear his voice and trust him enough to follow him. Now, to be sure, even believers, people who have been Christians for a long time, that experience goes up and down, that kind of sense of security and whatnot. But it goes up and down with our awareness that the shepherd is good and that he's there. That's the thing we struggle for, to remember, I have a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus is even more than a shepherd, though. There's another I am statement in verse 7. He says, I am the door of the sheep. The door. Now, what does he mean by that? So we go back to, to Ireland. <laughs> Our green pastures with the stone walls all around them. That's where the sheep are all kept. That's the sheepfold. They're inside this enclosure. Well, it's got to have an opening somewhere. They have to go in and out because they have to move around sometimes and get food elsewhere. But that enclosure, that sheepfold with that door, that's their safe place. That's their refuge. That's their home that they come back to. They know they're under the care of the shepherd in that place. And so the door is the entryway into that to that home, that refuge, 
that, that place of security under the ownership of the shepherd. And so by saying, I am the door, Jesus is saying, I'm not just the one who cares for people. I am the way into the place of refuge, me personally. You enter this realm of peace for your soul and hope for the future and confidence in the midst of trouble. You enter that realm through me. That's what he means by verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. To be saved is to be not on your own out in the world, going your own way, going astray, doing life on your own terms, and ending up in trouble. No, you're in the, you're in the sheepfold. That's the safe place. To be saved is to be in this realm of refuge. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble, according to Psalm 46. To be saved is to have forgiveness. That's one of the things that we need. Forgiveness for sins, redemption. More than that, to be saved is to have eternal life. For Jesus goes on to say in John 10, in verse 28, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What another great illustration. I've got them. Nobody can snatch them out of my hand. They're in my sheepfold. I'm guarding it. I'm at the doorway. He says, I'm the way into all of that. The security that you want. The, the peace of knowing you're being looked after. That all your sins are forgiven. That you'll even live after death. That comes only through Jesus, because he says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And that's what the angels announced on the day of Jesus' birth. In Luke 2.11, they said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's my favorite line in any Christmas movie, Charlie Brown Christmas. If you haven't seen that, you got to see that. You just got to have it. You got to own it. We watch that every year. <laughs> Linus is explaining to Charlie Brown what's the meaning of Christmas, and he quotes from Luke chapter 2, and it ends with that. Here's what it is Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But why is he the Savior? Why is he the door into all of these things? Verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, there can't be any reconciliation with God. There can't be any entry into his realm of blessing, refuge, peace, and care unless the offense of our sin is removed. Because there has to be justice for our wrongdoing. It has to be satisfied. God is just. The wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. And on the cross, here's what the shepherd did. He took the wages for us. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He dies in our place and for our sin that we can go free so that we can be reconciled to God. And Isaiah 53.6, to read that whole thing in full, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
That's what our shepherd did. He laid the, our sin, our blame on himself, took the punishment for it in our place on the cross. And that's the big picture of this whole analogy. Why did Jesus come into the world? It was to give us life by giving up his own life for our sins. Thus, a Savior. That's where we get into real life. That's where we get the care, the protection, the forgiveness that our good shepherd accomplished on the cross. That's where we get peace that comes from knowing. We're being taken care of, and we're going to live after death. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we have to celebrate at the Christmas season at all times. So let me just close with this question. Are you one of his sheep? How do you know that you have entered the sheepfold and are saved? The passage says, The sheep hear his voice, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You hear Jesus' voice. You hear these words that we just read. That's his voice. And you say, I recognize that. I believe that. This is my shepherd talking to me, calling to me, saying, come in. Come into this place of refuge. And then you follow. You act on it. You put your trust in him. And that makes you part of his flock that receive all these benefits so it's a picture of trust, and if that describes you, rejoice. <laughs> you're in a good place, even if your life isn't easy. There are challenges, there's trials, there's sorrows, but your good shepherd will lead you through those things to green pastures, still waters. He will constantly restore your soul until the day where your soul and body are both completely healed and you'll be with him in glory forever. That's good news worth celebrating on Christmas. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for opening up your word to us, for this invitation to come into the sheepfold, to come and find refuge in you. And thank you for your promise that you will walk with us. You will lead us in and out. You will show us green pastures. You'll give us what we need in this life and then life after this. We pray that everyone here this, this morning will, will know that, know that life, experience that life, and that that would be a joy for them this season. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Amen.